Our scripture reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. And our sister Erica will read this passage for us today. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Good morning, brothers and sisters, once again. Uh, please do look around you, see who is here today, and give thanks to the brothers and sisters that God continues to, to bring here together. I pray and hope that you guys are all well, uh, that you are able to, hopefully, to see each other outside face-to-face -face with taking safety measures, of course, and enjoying the fellowship that the Lord continues to to uh, give to us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Today, we look at the story of the Apostle Peter. And this is an interesting story. Peter himself, as we know, is, is the rock upon which uh, Jesus builds the church. His confession when uh, uh, Jesus asks him, you know, who am I? And all the other disciples say, well, people say you're Elijah. People say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And you can see that as a moment of uh, Peter's sort of pinnacle of his confession, the pinnacle of his uh, life as a disciple. In fact, when we think about Peter, we know that he is a, a man who gives in to his impulses. But we, in the end, see a man who stood firm for the faith, who led the church in Jerusalem. But there's something really interesting about Peter. Peter is human, like you and I. And in fact, it is this story, I think, above all the stories in Luke about Peter that really prepare him for ministry and prepare him, prepares him to follow the Lord. This is a time where Peter is humbled and humbled straight down. He is naked before the Lord. And for many of us, this is not sort of what we want in our lives as a preparation to follow the Lord. We don't want to have failures. We do not want to have 
uh, negative experiences to help us on the way. But here in our passage today, we see Jesus all-knowing, preparing Peter for what we can call his, his humiliation. Peter will be humbled before the Lord, before the other disciples, and he will be humiliated in his own heart as well. So as you know, in the story, Jesus is finally arrested. And Jesus had told the disciples, when I am arrested, you guys will all just scatter and flee. And Peter says, I will not scatter. I will not flee. I will follow you unto death. And Jesus tells Peter, he says to him, Lord, he says, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Oh, this is very interesting. Here is Peter with Jesus at a very highly tense moment. About Jesus is about to get arrested. We see Judas Iscariot has gone away to, to tell the authorities where Jesus is. We see the disciples all huddled together, wondering what's going to happen next. And Peter, the man that he is, says, I am not going to leave you. I will go to prison. I will die with you. And then Jesus, if I could say it this way, Jesus breaks his heart. You will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter is probably devastated. How can my savior, the one that I love, how could he think that I would ever go against him? Now we do have to give Peter some props here. When Jesus is arrested, we do not, we do not know where the other disciples are. But Peter is in the courtyard. He's closer to Jesus than, than anyone else is. And he is trying his best to follow Jesus uh, during this, this time. But then we have a series of people who come up to Jesus. And the different, different gospels have a little bit different accounts. But in general, this is what happens. First, a servant girl. Just a girl. Looks upon him and says, aren't you Peter? Aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter denies it. No, no, I'm not. Then another servant girl comes and says, aren't you one of the followers of, of this man who got arrested? 
And Peter says, no, a second time. And later on, a man or one of the bystanders says, surely you are the man who was with him. For you are a Galilee and so is, so is he. But Peter denied him again. And you could see in Peter's heart that this was purely self-defense. He did not want to get found out. He did not want to be arrested. And he goes so far in that Peter actually invokes a curse on himself. And he swears, I do not know this man of whom you are speaking. And finally, the rooster crows. And Peter remembers. In verse 61, we have an even sterner reminder of Jesus's knowledge and Peter's humiliation. He says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. So here is Peter. He made his oath. I am going to die with you if I have to. Follows Jesus to the courtyard. He's doing his best. Three no-name people come up to him. And he denies that he knows Jesus. He goes so far with the third person that he, he invokes a curse on himself and he swears. I don't know him. And then Jesus sees him and Peter feels his, his stare and rooster crows. He remembers what Jesus had said to, said to him, you will deny me. And then Jesus does, and then Peter does what? He left that courtyard and he wept bitterly. This is high drama. This is a, a man who swore allegiance and loyalty to the Christ, to Jesus. And at Jesus's time of need, he denies him and walks away. And he weeps bitterly of what he had just done. 
this man Peter is the same Peter that will eventually lead the church in Jerusalem. And I ask you, when you think of this man, Peter, you think of a man who is completely and utterly broken. How can I ever show my face to my master again? He predicted that I would betray, that I would deny him. And it happened. Now there's a contrast here in this whole story, this whole narrative and in this chapter that we see. We have two people that, that, that Luke focuses on. Two disciples, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. And Peter, who denied Jesus. And we look at these two men and we see how they dealt with their betrayal or denial of, of, of their Lord. And this is a lesson that you and I can learn. For in this world, there will be many people like Peter. And in this world, there will be many people like Judas as well. We know from scriptures that Judas himself was absolutely distraught when Jesus was arrested, just as Peter was. But there was a difference. Judas, in the end, killed himself, whereas Peter in the end, was restored. And the question for us as God's people is how are we to be restored and not completely undone and devastated when we have sinned against the Lord? There's a difference between true sorrow and Peter's tears and worldly sorrow and the tears of Judas Iscariot. Second Corinthians 7 verse 10 through 11 states it this way, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. You see, Peter himself in his repent in his grief understood that the only person who could actually forgive him would be the person he betrayed, Jesus himself. Judas, on the other hand, could not face 
the one who he had betrayed. And instead of turning to Jesus, simply ran away. I think many of us understand sort of both sides of Peter and Judas. There are things in our lives that we are ashamed of. Perhaps you have a history somewhere in your life where you have wronged this one person and you sort of never sorted it out. But perhaps that one one time you, you saw that person from afar and or you, you happened to meet them as you're walking around the mall and all of a sudden nothing but just regret and nothing but just shame just sort of just filled you because seeing that person just brought just terrible memories and you've never reconciled with that person. Worldly sorrow. Whereas true sorrow if you've wronged that person, leads you to approach that person to repent, to bring understanding, and to restore that relationship. Peter did not run away from Jesus. Peter did not run away from the other disciples. We know that. But we know that when Jesus rose again from the dead, Peter ran to the grave. For he longed to see his Savior. In John chapter 21, verse 17, we see Jesus restoring Peter. He says this. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him, the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So here's Jesus's way of, of restoring Peter. He asks him three times, do you love me? just as he denied Jesus three times. And Peter says three times, I love you, my Savior. The restoration comes because Jesus, as Peter rightfully confesses, knows everything about Peter. Not only did he know that he was going to deny him, but Jesus also knew that Peter loved him, that his grief was true, that his sorrow was true, that his desire to be with the Savior was true. And it was because of this experience of weakness, it was because of this experience of denial that prepared Peter for the ministry. You see, God needs all of us to recognize 
the depths of our sins, the depths of our betrayal against the Lord, for us to understand that the only person who can forgive us and restore us is Jesus himself. We go to Jesus with the sins that we have, and we know that he will forgive us. And we confess to him, Jesus, we love you. We truly love you. You have put your spirit in us and enabled us to see that there's no greater love than knowing you. And that he restores you and I to who we should be, sons and daughters who know our God intimately. There are three things here that we, that we should cling to in our understanding. The first is this, Jesus knows the depths of our hearts. Jesus knows. There is no sin that is hidden from him. There's nothing that um, you can hide from him. You know, oftentimes in our human relationships, we put on our, our good face and we, we want to have a, a relationship with somebody. And we hope that they don't find out the sort of skeletons in our closet or perhaps a temper that we have. Because if they did, they might not love us. But Jesus knows the depths of our hearts. There's nothing unknown to him. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And Jesus knew that Peter would deny him. And yet his love for them and his love for you and I is pure. In fact, it could be, we could better say it this way. We could say that Jesus knows more about the depths of our sins than we do. And yet he still loves us. That Jesus has not revealed to you and I the, the depths of our betrayal to him. And yet he still loves us. His knowledge is complete. And, and that's the second point, right? Not only does Jesus know all things, but Jesus loves us with the knowledge that he has. He chose to die on that cross for you and I. He chose to take the punishment of sin for you and I. And he chose to freely forgive us of all of our sins. You see, part of the gospel is not that we simply confess our sins and God forgives us. But the complete gospel is that he forgives us in our sinful nature. Because there are sins that are still nascent in us that we have yet to commit. And yet he has still forgiven us of all of those things. Now, if these two things are for us, we would say, 
I love this. I love that God knows me completely. I can be completely transparent with him. I love that he, he knows me. And I love that he forgives me and he is with me. I mean, that's, this, is, uh, this is part of the gospel that all of us can, can agree with and say, this is, this is what I want. I want this unconditional love. I want this Jesus who died for my sins. I want this Jesus who, when I'm feeling down, will, will, will give me a, a, you know, a big celestial hug. But there's a third thing that we have to understand about being his, his people. Is that when Jesus knows you and Jesus loves you, Jesus also sends you. For when we are loved and when, when we are known and we are loved, what happens is that we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about Jesus and his kingdom and his purpose. We start wanting to, to let other people know who Jesus is. We want to see his kingdom expand. And in fact, as we do so, we, we start to realize that we, we get to know Jesus more. And we get to experience his love more. And we see this in Peter. Peter, at the end of John, the, the passage that we read, he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And, and then Jesus says to Peter at the end, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You see, the, the purpose for God showing you your sins the purpose for God of showing you his grace is not simply to make you feel better about yourself. It's not about you having a psychologist in the sky who can massage your heart. God has something greater for you. He has a mission for all of us to go and proclaim the good news of salvation, to tell people that they too can be forgiven, to go and say to people that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of all things. Now think about the power that Peter has. Think about the power that you have. Because now when you tell people that Jesus has come to save you, if you simply confess your sins, Jesus came so that you may have life and life everlasting. Jesus came so that you can be a part of his kingdom and, and building his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Now you can say it with conviction. They're not just simply words that you repeat, but you can say it with conviction. Cannot Peter say with conviction after this, I know that God forgives. I know that Jesus forgives. I know that Jesus knows me. I know that Jesus loves me. I have zero doubt in my heart, zero doubt in my mind. Peter says to him, Lord, you know my heart. You know that I love you.
and that power of the Spirit in him that's transformed him makes his testimony genuine and real to all. This is what God has done for you as well. In many ways, your testimony does not belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. Your testimony belongs to his kingdom. And your testimony belongs to the world. For us to go tell people, yes, I do believe that Jesus knows me, loves me, has forgiven me. I too know that the word of God is true. And so here, let me share with you what he has done. We cannot be good witnesses of the Lord until we have experienced some bitterness before the Lord. We cannot be a good witness to the Lord if we have not experienced his love and forgiveness after we've weeped bitterly before the Lord. But after the Lord does so, we are compelled to tell the world about Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Say to the Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. And hear in your heart him saying to you, go, go and tell people about me. Go, tell them too, that if they repent, that you can have salvation, go. But when you hear Jesus say, when you say to him, I love you, he sends us all on the mission for him and his kingdom. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy again. Lord, we confess that we are, we are like Peter. We are close, and close enough to you we know you, we see you, we go to church, we do all the Christian things. Then when people ask us, do you, are you a Christian? Do you know, do you know this guy named Jesus? Do you worship him? Uh, we, we stammer. But Lord, you, you know, Lord, how weak our hearts are. And indeed, you will forgive us. But Lord, help us to weep bitterly for our own hearts. For how can we deny you who love us so much? How can we fear so much the opinions of people around us? 
And so, Lord, we turn to you for forgiveness. We turn to you who alone can heal our hearts. And we say to you, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And Lord, you don't simply say, I love you back. But just as you did to Peter, so you do to all who claim your name. You tell us to go and make disciples of all nations. You tell us to go and be witnesses to this world of who I am and what I've done. You tell us to obey your command. And so, Lord, help this church, help us as individuals to go. To go and tell the world that you have come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.